you're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. Welcome back to another edition of Animation Deliberation, the podcast where we take action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. On this episode, uh, myself, Zuhair Ali, and guest host Nate Muzzy continue our coverage of Amazon's Invincible. We're doing episode six, You Look Kind of Dead, so stay tuned for that right after these ads. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation, a conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back to another exciting episode of Animation Deliberation. I'm your host, J. Scotty St. Clair, and I am joined by the the awesome and stellar Zuhair Ali and the incomparable Nate Muzzy. How's it going, fellas? Oh, I'm blushing. <laughs> incomparable. That's uh, that's pretty high praise. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think any of us can claim to be invincible, but uh, I'll, I'll give praise where I can. <laughs> if we do claim to be invincible, then they freeze and show the title screen, so we better not. Did, did that happen this episode? I think this was the first episode we didn't get that. that it gag. did, but there wasn't any dialogue towards them. It was like... It was like side characters that led up to it. Oh, okay, okay. I just remember I was like, oh, it wasn't like main characters doing it this time. I think it was like, it was the people like in the college town on the oh, okay, on the cold okay. open before go, before like introducing our main characters that like said something along that line and like Invincible popped up. And I always forget that that's a thing until it happens, mm-hmm. and then I just I'm like stunned for a quick second, just like, well done. Yeah, yeah, it's always such a such a nice little nod, and uh, yeah. it continually get, gets bloodier and bloodier. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure like if I was gonna like it like in the long run, uh, but it's it's definitely grown on me, so I'll take it. <laughs> nice. At, at what point did you start questioning it? Uh, like episode two, I was like, "Oh, they're okay. gonna do this every time," and, mm-hmm. and I was like. I wonder if that'll get old. And like episode three, I was like, yeah, maybe it's getting old. And now, now like I'm back to liking it, like in the first episode. So nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, before we dive too terribly deep into this, uh, this next great installment in Invincible, uh, Zuhair, you had another five-star review that came through for us. Did you want to go ahead and tackle that? Let's do it. I appreciate all the review, guys. Uh, Whether it's good or bad, just go over to iTunes and give us your feedback. Uh, But this one is from Influenza, Mm. and they say, This is a great new podcast from the folks at the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. Jay Scotty and Zuhair are awesome hosts, and they have a good amount of background knowledge and appreciation of the material to cover the geeky animated shows that I love. The first two shows that they're covering, Young Justice and Invincible, are both great series too, so I'm fully enjoying watching, rewatching Young Justice Season 1 and 2 along with them. Looking forward to what comes next. I really love how they came into Invincible without much knowledge of the comic because it provides a fresh perspective. I know a lot about that series, and sometimes my base knowledge can get in the way of enjoying it. Listening to these episodes after the fact gives me added appreciation to the show. Thank you, Influenza. Awesome. Awesome. I like it. I like it. 
Yeah, we uh, we appreciate that feedback. And as Zuhair said, uh, if anybody else out there listening wants to uh, leave us a review, just find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We should be on all the major platforms now. And uh, if you want to submit any feedback, I'll be addressing some feedback that we got at the end of the episode. But uh, you can always send that to animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and with that out of the way, let's uh, let's go ahead and get right into this episode. Uh, so overall impressions, uh, we will give a overall spoiler warning as we have with all these other episodes. Uh, if you have not watched the episode, go watch it and tune back in later. Uh, what are your guys' overall impressions? I thought it was uh, kind of a nice change of pace episode. I know that might be a criticism for some people, but it was like the whole show was moving very fast, you know. We went from Mark not being able to fly to last episode, you know, he's fighting Battle Beast. And, Mm -hmm. like, this episode was, like, it slowed things down. We got to see, you know, we haven't seen William since, like, the first episode. And it's, like, is that character even in this show? And we got some character stuff between Mark and his best friend and Mm -hmm. some stuff between uh, Mark and Amber. So I, I thought it was a great episode. It's it wasn't the same pace as the others, but that's kind of nice every now and then. Yeah, yeah, I I could definitely agree with those points. In terms of pacing, I thought it felt a little more similar to the to the first episode. Outside of uh, Mark spending so much time with his dad, I felt like that was almost kind of replaced with the time he was spending with Amber and or William, like you mentioned. Zuhair, what do you think? It's it's interesting that. I called the last episode a filler episode, but this one did kind of have that that slow pace. And I I think the show just doesn't really have filler episodes. And for eight episodes, it really shouldn't. But Mm -hmm. I did like the pacing of this one. And I will always appreciate a show where when the hero gets beat up really badly and has certain injuries, it actually affects their next fight. Mm-hmm. I think growing up with things like Dragon Ball Z and their instant healing all the time, like, it kind of took away from the factor of, like, I actually do have broken ribs right now. I actually do have PTSD right now. I do have this. I do have that. So my next fight's not going to be as good, or it's a factor of how I move or how how quickly I re- react. And this episode kind of did that. I don't think PTSD really hit him too hard because he was trying to protect his friends, but... Mm-hmm. You could tell he was a little slower like with his motions and movements because he just got out of the hospital and right. for a human he actually did look like he got hit by a truck which is the dialogue that came in from the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh so I do appreciate that that was a huge factor on like I I actually can't perform at my peak right now because this real like my body just hurts right now and I wasn't prepared to be in hero mode. I thought I was going to be on a break. I also really like Eve's storyline of kind of leaving her family and going off to do her own thing because uh like we mentioned last week the the toxicity of their parent or her parents controlling her every move and everything just to make her be like all right I'm I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice to to see her flourish in that regard but uh I agree with all the the points you guys brought up. I thought it was another um excellent entry. I you're kind of right in the fact that there aren't filler episodes and they're not necessarily bottle episodes either, but they are these self-contained kind of like adventures and escapades. But we always get 
these, uh, these, um, you know, plants or like, uh, little hints as to what's going on, uh, with the greater scheme, especially involving characters like Omni-Man. Um, and with that in mind, uh, we were kind of breaking up what exactly, um, storylines took place in this particular episode. And for the most part, it really is, uh, the episode's called You Look Kind of Dead, and that's really appropriate. I always appreciate uh, clever titles like that. And not only does that, is that appropriate because we pick up with Invincible, basically, we get to see his, like, intestines, like, out on the operating table, and the, all the Guardians are in such a poor state, and it's really, uh, like, the gore there was, was super effective. But then not only that, you get these uh, these RoboCop villains um, that are, are basically these college students that have been deformed, and they're pretty grotesque as well. I mean, we get that opening scene with uh, the the douchey trust fund kid Doug Cheston, who's who's voiced hilariously by <laughs> du- uh, Justin Roiland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they had a couple of guests on this because, uh, like, Ezra Miller played uh, Sinclair on this too. Correct. Yeah, D. A. Sinclair. Pretty creepy performance there. Um, I'll try not to take umbrage with the fact that they kind of co-opted my last name and bastardized it a bit for <laughs> such a creepy guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I thought Ezra did a, a great job. Uh, and then, uh, who is the uh, the gentleman that voices William? Because uh, yeah, it was nice to spend a little more time with him. I've bear with me just a moment here. Uh, Andrew Rannells. Yes. Yeah. What do you guys think of his performance? Just out of curiosity. I think it fits what they're going for, um, especially when they when he finally finds out uh, that his best friend's a superhero. Like that overexcited, geeky response was just very fitting for, I guess, what we expect of the best friend that finds out. Yeah, yeah. like he. It, it was it was interesting to see like. You know, uh, the uh, the first, I don't know, half of the episode or whatever, he spends most of his time being uh, this thirsty high school boy. Uh, <laughs> and, and then the second half is mostly spent, like, amazed that his best friend turned out to be a superhero. Right, um, right. But, like... I, I thought it was nice just to get to spend some more time with the character. Um, mm-hmm. I I hope we get more out of that character, which I kind of think they're setting up in this uh, because okay. it seems like Amber and Mark are done for now. Okay. Um, so so we it might get seems like a, yeah. we might get some Mark leaning on his best friend because his girlfriend's no longer there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, w- I would like to see that explored. Um, I did love that moment uh, when they first embarked on the like the, the road trip where uh, he was describing his crush, Rick, and it's like he and Amber were talking about, like, they call it, like, what, like a, a thick, thick like a horse's mane? Yeah. And Mark's <laughs> like, that's a good thing. And they're both like, good? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's just little moments like that that uh, help to endear you to the characters, like especially the character of Amber. Uh, it would it would be easy to make a character like that unlikable, but you really do feel for her, and and she's justified in her 
offense and when she sheds those tears like you really feel for it and they actually do a great job of like mark is is a lot of times even though he's the title character he's not necessarily my favorite character on screen uh i like zuhair you were mentioning adam eve like she quickly became one of my favorite characters this episode they just made her so altruistic her treehouse is badass she had the best day out of any of the other characters she got to go home and just like rest her head and have a, a peaceful sleep which was so nice to see given the the hell that she was put through by her parents yeah and rex we didn't get to see him this episode but he's a real tool yeah it, it was and we got to see just how powerful she is oh yeah you know mm-hmm. like like kind of making force fields and shooting little blasts is like an underuse of her powers and i think this is her realizing that so that was like really cool to see uh yeah yeah and a, a little bit too that possibly the reason the episode spends so much time developing william is mm-hmm. because maybe we're not going to see as much of uh eve in the coming uh-huh. episodes you know because mark's support system is kind of gone now Hmm. You know, his his dad hasn't been there for him. Right. Definitely. His mom is dealing with his dad's bullshit. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, Amber has dumped him and yeah. Eve is gone. So, you know, we might find Mark a little bit alone next episode. Yeah, I, I could see him kind of being in some dire straits there. Um, I want to dial but- back to Eve. um real quick first off sure. i want to i want to second what you said about the treehouse that is a awesome <laughs> view um i i wasn't expecting her to actually make a treehouse i thought she was just going to set up camp but like okay. muzzy said what she does with her powers really isn't like the full extent of it and i think that's why my imagination didn't quite go that far because i was i mean yeah making the the door in the house was like well that's trippy but then actually, like, right. manipulating the tree to actually make, like, a perfect home for her. I was like, that's genius. And then she can just <laughs> fly to wherever she needs to go. But whenever mm-hmm. we, we cover a storyline, whatever universe it may be in, I feel like whenever a hero says, like, we need to take our powers elsewhere because we don't want to be part of this team anymore, like, they become grand-scale heroes to, like, street heroes, and they're kind of doing the same thing on a smaller scale. But she's okay. actually, like, helping communities that we wouldn't quite really think about because all of these action sequences happen in big cities but she's out in farms like helping Mm -hmm. to harvest and making things grow and really helping the lives of people that we really don't see from that perspective and for her to use her powers in such a unique way I, I don't think, I mean, forgive me if I'm mistaking something from, like, Marvel or DC or any other hero franchise, but that's that's quite creative. And I like that she took that route of actually understanding, like, I don't need to be kicking people's asses to be useful. Like, I'm very helpful um, in, a, in a very wide array of opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't think of any characters off the top of my head that have done such, you know, straight up activism and, and and volunteer work um yeah i think the only thing that's like briefly coming to mind now is i know uh green arrow and green lantern kind of had a a run i want to say maybe in like the 80s that was supposed to have a little bit more of a like activism 
bent to it, but uh, hmm. I can't I can't speak to that too much to to dive too deep into it. But no, yeah, Adam Eve, like I said, she's great. Quickly becoming one of my favorite characters, and Jill, uh, excuse me, that that was one thing I had to learn here. Her her name is pronounced Gillian Jacobs, which is kind of unusual, but definitely unique. Uh, does an excellent job uh, showcasing the full range of emotion and the the especially in the scenes with her with her family um the frustration that's there and even with mark uh that scene it was almost kind of awkward in a way like she felt like she it felt like she had something she wanted to say to him but he Mm -hmm. almost just kind of like immediately cut her off and started talking about his things and then when she found out about the trip she noted surprise and there was obviously a little bit of disappointment there but she she doesn't really interfere she lets him do his thing and she just kind of gives the old irish goodbye and flies right out the window but it's uh, funny that she pretty much plays the same role that she does in community but we're just taking the sitcom filter off of her now (laughs) uh, the brita filter yeah (laughs) 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 thank you very much i'm here till thursday try the veal (laughs) anyway uh Let's uh let's let's kind of circle back to to the guardians. So like um in addition to Invincible being in a pretty pitiful state at the opening of this episode, the guardians are as well. So uh Black Samson had a pretty interesting scene in the hospital there uh where the they're defibrillating him and then suddenly, you know, he emits a, a burst of energy himself and he uh he seems to have his powers back. He he heals pretty quickly. And has uh, some nice exchanges with with robot. I I I couldn't help but laugh out loud when uh, uh oh yeah, robot is like saying that he'll stay there to observe, continue to observe Monster Girl, even though Black Samson's good. He's like, you go back to the team and report there. I'm gonna stay here and continue to observe her. And he's like, uh yeah, okay, yeah, you will. <laughs> oh. So it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens with that character because he was definitely vying for leadership and the thing that they kept throwing back into his face is that he's an old man without power. So uh, hopefully we get to spend more time with him now that he seems to be fully recovered. I did yeah. like Robot's dialogue in the beginning too regarding um, when the medical staff was trying to kick him out and oh, he was yeah. like, I have all the knowledge about this person so we can either waste time or we can work together. And then he just started taking charge and... Um, actually coming up with the solutions needed to save Monster Girl. But it's just, it's it's funny how he speaks with such eloquence, even in such traumatic situations. I mean, I get that he's a robot, but it's like, how do you not comply to what he says with a tone like that? <laughs> yeah. His, uh, his kind of obsession with Monster Girl, I, I'm not sure if it's endearing or getting creepy. <laughs> it, it, yes. it is getting a little on the creepy side especially because it seemed like she correct me if i'm wrong here but it's, to me it looked like she visibly got notably younger because we had that that scene when they were trying to you know put the uh the breathing tube down her throat and then she transforms into the monster and i kind of got uh S- sam raimi spider-man 2 vibes where you get kind of the horror hospital scene and you you realize how terrifying this would be for just a regular surgeon to be put in this predicament yeah Um, oh yeah so uh but the other thing i will say about that whole robot monster girl storyline is i the reveal of 
robot using drones was super effective for me because we are we saw that robot was battle damaged from the skirmish earlier on and then the next time we kind of see him is when he's completely beat to hell and, and frozen and holding that flower and then it just kind of crumples and then the the brand's shiny new one kind of steps out and i was like oh that was super effective i thought we I thought Robot was going to be out of it for a second. Yeah, I freaked out. Like, what the hell did you just go through? Like, yeah. did you go through an avalanche to get that flower? What's happened? And then he just casually walks in. I was like, oh. Well, he said some... it was well protected. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder if we're going to get to see that place eventually. Ooh. That'd be cool. Just, just because, like, that's kind of a neat seed to plant that there's something there mm-hmm. that's yeah. well guarded, you know. Yeah. Maybe that has something to do with the the origin of her her powers because we re- we really haven't gotten much of anything in that way, have we? Yeah, he just says she's cursed. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he does say that. Yeah, you're right. And then wh- what about some of the the other heroes? I mean, obviously uh, Nolan is a a Viltrumite uh, as long as well with Mark being half Viltrumite. And a lot of these other ones seem to be, you know, born out of, like, robotics and science, and we see that there are other dimensions, but I felt like we got some dialogue from Rex, and again, he wasn't in this episode, but I can't help bring him up. Uh, he made it sound like he was robbed of, like, a high school experiment, or experience, I should say, perhaps because he was experimented on or, or something to that effect, but I, I don't know if we've gotten anything definitive as far as any of that goes. No, I don't think we've gotten origins for most of them. Okay. It'll be, I mean, I know the uh, the season should be coming to a close pretty quickly here. This was episode six, and like I said, everything I'm seeing, it should be eight episodes. So next episode should be the penultimate episode, and then we should be, you know, coming to a close here. But I'll, I'll save my, my predictions until, you know, a little later on the cast, and we've covered this episode and uh, given it proper justice, I should say. I will say, uh, going back to just some of the, the hospital scenes we got, so uh, with that conversation with Cecil and Omni-Man, where basically Omni-Man is questioning Cecil about Dark Blood being the primary suspect for uh, killing the Guardians of the globe, I thought that was, was, again, super effective. The undertones there, that basically they were they were basically having it out without really having it out. Like Nolan was basically asking him, if you think I killed them, why would I do it? Did you guys get that? Or am I off base there? What do you, yeah. What do you okay. Uh, the impression I got is Nolan was like feeling him out to see if they were going to try pin it on him. Mm-hmm. And like Cecil, like was essentially saying, yeah, we're just gonna, drag this thing with dark blood out you know they're both kind of lying to each other but like saying what they want to say at the same time yeah yeah because nolan had that one line of dialogue i think cecil said something along the lines like uh why would he do it and nolan just kind of like because he's a demon and i was just like oh are you kind of is that self-acknowledgement there or but i think we, yeah. we, we obviously know that there's some sinister undertones to his character anyway and Darkblood does have a past of of solving the most difficult cases mm. as well. So it's like, oh, because he's a demon, it's kind of a lame excuse if he's kind of a go-to <laughs> guy for these situations. 
Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I'm wondering uh, if I know there's been quite a few heroes like Superman who like listen to your heartbeat to see if you're lying or not. So I'm ooh, wondering yeah, if yeah. like Omni Man has done that to Cecil or if Cecil's been in Omni Man's presence so long that he's like gotten better controlling his breathing in like intense situations like that. I don't know if like any of that is a factor, but it would be cool if that was addressed in these little verbal skirmishes. It would be cool if it was addressed. It hasn't been addressed yet, but I mean, we have to believe that he's capable of that kind of thing because we did get that scene with Deborah, Debbie, and the return of Art the Taylor, voiced by the legendary Mark Hamill. And that was just like, Nolan becomes increasingly terrifying in this episode. So I, I was just, I was so scared not only for Debbie in that moment, but art as well and he even he even says it like who am i going to tell i'm i'm absolutely terrified here and then the exchange between nolan and art where they're drinking those beers uh i felt kind of echoed that scene that i I mentioned with with cecil and uh and omni man where he's basically saying what he wants to say without saying it uh you know yeah i um it was kind of interesting because Nolan basically spent the episode figuring out who knows, you know, does mm-hmm. Cecil know, does the Taylor know, does Debbie know. Right. And, like, making sure those three aren't going to talk or reveal anything. Yeah. And I guess my question is, other than other than Cecil, like, what are they going to do if this does, what you know... If they pin it on him, what happens? He's still Omni Man. Like, right. yeah. <laughs> Although yeah, I, I... he he is not omnipotent. Sure. Like, presumably, if all the heroes, like not just the Guardians, but ev- every power person we saw, like you could defeat him because yeah, the Guardians yeah. did some real damage to him, which oh, yeah, I appreciate. Definitely, definitely. I don't yeah. like. I mean, despite the show being named Invincible, I don't like Invincible superheroes at all. Yeah. Although, I guess when they were experimenting on Mark's blood, there's a hint that, like, you can damage him, but he's just going to keep coming back. Hmm. Yeah. There was, uh... Yeah, because we, we talked about it on that on that, that coverage, but what was it? Chemicals, diseases, they pretty much tried everything, and it was just resilient to pretty much any approach there Um, and i guess kind of spoilers for uh season two of the boys but there have been a couple of scenes and a bit of dialogue where it's like yeah homelander is like the face of the united states but if it comes to the point where they know what he's about and the people are against him then like what's his what's his purpose at that point so Hmm. if omni man's purpose is to be the protector of earth and earth doesn't see him that way what what would be his motive to stay at that point? Like, is he going to rule it? Would he just go back to another planet that doesn't know who his species is yet and try to protect that instead? Like, I, I think uh, the the public image is a huge is a bigger factor than we're giving it credit for. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah. Which might which might be why you know Cecil is playing things so close to his his vest. He understands that not only the, the public image, but uh, just the, the sheer and utter fallout that could come with 
with that reveal not only what Nolan would do, but how it might affect the populace, because we've already talked about how complacent and dependent uh, the people and even the police force seems to be in this world. And I think that even, you know, speaks to the college campus, the fact that a guy like D.A. Sinclair is even able to, like, set up a lab where he's able to abduct his fellow students and turn them into android robocops. And it's like, you would think if people are going missing, they would and it, there was a pattern established, it, would, it wouldn't take that long for some competent investigators to figure out what's going on, but he's he's basically doing it under their nose. Um, yeah, it, didn't, it wasn't like they got to campus and there were, like, flyers uh, or, you know, like, news going on about, you know, all these missing students. There were Although, flyers. There were, yeah, there were a couple. Oh, was there? Yeah, there was points oh. where, like, uh, when they first reached the campus and they were all talking in front of the oh, wall, right. there was a, there was a billboard in the back that had missing in their faces on it mm-hmm. and a couple of, like, mm-hmm. uh, club promos. Right. And then later on in the episode, you start to see Doug Cheston's, like, featured... Doug Cheston's photo featured pretty po- prominently there. Yeah, I noticed the Doug Cheston stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I totally missed the flyers uh, mm-hmm. earlier. Um, but yeah, like, you want to see my big trust fund? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Justin, I I know, I know we mentioned Justin Ryland doing the voice already, but yeah, he, he kind of knocked that douchey, uh, (laughs) that douchey frat boy spirit of that character right out of the park. Oh, totally. I think I've mentioned before, like, I don't really keep up with the the voice actors too much, but now I've just been consuming so much contact that sometimes I I catch it and I text Jay Scott. I was like, this sounds like Rick from Rick and Morty. And then went and looked it up and I was like, yep, that's exactly who it is. Yeah, yeah, you had a good ear on this one because I I have to admit, I did not recognize Ezra Miller initially. I knew that he was in the show and normally the great feature about Amazon is that they have that, uh, is it called the X-Ray? Where basically yeah. you can, at any point in the episode, even as it's going on, you can bring up the, the voice cast and it'll show you exactly who they're they're uh, voicing. But uh, for whatever reason, I just didn't happen to check in this episode. But on a rewatch, it's it's so obvious. It's him. Um, so I checked that for Rick, and it was when I was checking that that I saw Ezra. Otherwise, I don't think I would have guessed Ezra either because okay. despite watching the Snyder Cut again yesterday because I was on bed rest and I had nothing else to do. um i like he does such a good job at making the voice so unique for that character that i honestly like didn't see the resemblance between him playing sinclair and playing barry allen Hmm. which yeah i I didn't catch ezra either uh i i only caught ezra when i uh my buddy was like oh justin roiland was in this episode and I was like, "Oh, that's who—that's who that guy was." <laughs> and then I I went and checked to see like if anyone else was in there, and I was like, "Holy cow, that was Ezra Miller!" <laughs> like the the voice cast for the show is star studded. Oh, it's phenomenal! Yeah, I Robert mean, Kirkman has must have uh, curried a lot of favors um, in Hollywood, yeah. but his his stuff is pretty stellar. So I I can see why people want to work with him. But. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up is, uh, and maybe maybe it was present in past episodes, and I just didn't pick up on it quite as much. But I felt that this particular episode had a much more 
uh, cinematic feel in terms of like some of the the animations and the transitions. There was one shot in particular where, uh, speaking about Ezra Miller's character, D.A. Sinclair, he steps out from the shadows into the light, and just the way the the light moves across his face and like the shadows remain um, underneath his you know his brow as well as his his cheekbones was just super effective and gave him like a very skeletal um, and and creepy appearance. And then the other one that uh, I noticed was when Rick brought back the the beers to the apartment and he goes to crack one open. They do a really nice transition from that beer to Nolan having the the beers with with art on the rooftop yeah um you know i'm not i'm definitely not uh as uh sensitive to animation maybe uh, as you are Hmm. i i tend to not know like in broad strokes i can i can see oh this was animated well and uh or like this was like the bad, terrible animation cartoons had when I was a kid, <laughs> but like, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I feel like overall this show has been like, just kind of a treat to look at, mm-hmm. you know, like, and it, it benefits from being animated. Like, you could never make this show. You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, Make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark. Any other way, like without millions of dollars per episode. Well, what's interesting, what I've learned after the fact is, and I think I, I might recall having heard it in the news cycle, but... I guess that the time that this animated series was first, this animated adaptation was first announced, they announced a uh, a live action adaptation movie as well. But and apparently that is still supposed to happen. I just I I don't know what the at what point in pre production they're even in. I don't even know if I want to see that now. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like the joy of this series is all the small character work that just. Oh yeah. Like, like, it's, you know, not to get away from animation, but it's kind of like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I, I don't think it would be nearly as good as a movie. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Because you get to dwell and spend time with characters and get into, like, minutia. Exactly. And that, that's really what I love about this show. Like, the, the action and anime, the action animation sequences in this are amazing. And I do, mm-hmm. I do enjoy those. But it's not like I'm bored between them. Right. Like, right. It, the inner character stuff is just great on this show. And you um, have so many amazing actors doing the voice work for this. Like, how do you replace Ezra Miller and uh, Simmons and, like, all these people who, like, probably for whatever reason couldn't be capable of playing their live action roles? Like, 
Oh, well, I mean, while we're highlighting um, the voice actors, I mean, it, it goes without saying, Steven Yoon has been absolutely yes. killing it. I, I probably haven't mentioned as much as I should have since the initial episodes, but yeah, he he does such a, a fantastic job of, uh, he, he's a believable teenager, you know? Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, and Sandra Oh is Debbie, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like there, there's no there's no bad voice actor on the cast. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and, and, like, yeah, and, and just, like, the action, like, how how would you put Battle Beast in a movie and not make it look bad? <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, that is such a, you know, it, it is so much easier to be like, okay, it's animated and, like, your suspension of disbelief is there and you're set up for something and like, yeah. Yeah. like, uh, you know, all of a sudden, like you're going to have a dude in CGI slash some practical makeup, <laughs> like, and like, how, how do you, how do you create Omniman's mustache? <laughs> they, they'd have to reverse the technology they used on the original cut of justice league <laughs> now um now now this is an animation focused podcast but while we're talking a little bit about the live action stuff just out of curiosity do you guys have anybody in mind other than jk simmons that uh might be able to bring omni-man to life because i have a couple a couple in mind off the top of my head, I will throw out John Hamm. Ooh, I hadn't even considered him. I like that though. That's great. Okay, Zuhair, did you have any? Uh, Josh Brolin for me. Okay, I like it. I can I see that. I think he could pull off the mustache. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking, even though he's he recently appeared as a Deathstroke in the Snyder Cut, I was thinking either Joe Manganiello, Manganiello, mm. or uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who has who has a relationship with Robert Kirkman already, appearing on The Walking Dead. I just call him Big Dick Richie from Magic Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I, I I like either of those. Uh, I I'm a big D and D nerd, so anything Joe Manganiello does, oh, right I on. support. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because he's also a giant D and D nerd. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, like I, I think there there's plenty there's plenty of actors that could pull it off, um, you know. But like J.K. Simmons, like just does such a good job in this series. I think no matter how good the actor is, mm-hmm. if you watch this, it's going to be jarring. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No uh, doubt. Send us an email with who you think your fan cast could be if any character couldn't fulfill like their voice role to live action role just while we're while we're kind of doing it again i don't want to get it too too far away on this but uh timothy chalamet for invincible actually no i guess he should have that asian and ancestry it represented a little bit more um i I rescind that let's let's get somebody a, a person of color in there anyway yeah i i mean I, I could honestly, I wouldn't be upset if Steven Yoon did it. He's a little old maybe for it. Yeah. Because I, I think he's close to like my age. Okay. <laughs> which which is a little old for a high schooler. Um, 
But I, oh, I, I don't know the dude's name, but I just saw Crazy Rich Asians for the first time last night. I'm way behind. But you remember the dude in uh, Spider-Man Far From Home? The, the oh, Asian yeah, yeah, kid yeah, yeah. that like got older, like he used to be the younger brother. Oh yeah, Brad. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah Brad. <laughs> he would be great. Yeah, yeah uh, that's, that's, that's perfect like right that. there. Yeah, good call. I like that. Uh, there, there are a couple things more things I want to address, um, chiefly in terms of the action. Uh, these these grotesque android things were definitely. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the right way to put this. The action was a, a little different. Like, it was more claustrophobic in that, like, underground chamber. But then when things finally, you know, turned around and Rick was able to free himself and free the rest of the drones, like, not only did William get to wail on D.A. Sinclair, but Invincible, man, you just get to see how just a single punch from him destroys yeah. this guy's jaw. Like, he's going to... That's going to be take months and months of reconstructive surgery. Was it a yeah. punch or a pimp slap? <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good yeah, point. I'm pretty be. sure it was a pimp slap, and it was so satisfying to watch. And, like, Dude is there, there's up. so much stuff that made me cringe in this episode. Like, the whole thing about, like, these kids who went to college and, like, their lives are just eternally screwed up because literally a part of their brain has been removed Mm-hmm. And most of their body has been replaced with robots and they can't, like, live their lives anymore. Like, that, like, genuinely pissed me off. And then yeah, to yeah. see him laying on the gurney with his jaw fucked up and I'm just like, this is, I'm so glad I get to see you like this. As dark as that may be, like, I wish you are suffering a little bit more right now, but this is such a satisfying view of your face just being fucked up because you can never give back those kids, like, what you took, like... That 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 whole sequence like genuinely angered me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very sad. Uh, not to go back too far, but I just thought I'd pop in and say uh, the actor who played Brad uh, in Far From Home was uh-huh. Remy High, and it's H I I I H I I. Hopefully, I pronounced that right. Uh, but yeah, just wanted yeah. to give credit where credits are due. No, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Very good. Uh, let's see here. He would totally fit that role. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 excellent. He did a great job in, in Far From Home. He was a great foil to Peter. Um, so, yeah, I could, I could definitely see him embodying that, uh, that quiet confidence that uh, a character like Invincible, who is very much an allegory for a Peter Parker type, um, would definitely work. Uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up, and I, I don't want to be incredibly negative here, but we're talking about the the animation and um, some of the style stylizations and whatnot. Have you guys noticed um, when we have a shot that's like pretty dialogue heavy with two characters? Um, one thing that they do that I like that gives it that cinematic feel is that they're not afraid to just have like unfocused characters kind of like walk in front of the the frame to kind of like sell that environmental feel. But the other thing I notice is like, if you look in the background, a lot of times the character models that are in the background are these like 
really low rendered like 3D models. Have you guys <laughs> yes. noticed that at all? <laughs> I did notice. That. I, I have not noticed. I, okay. That. It, actu- like, it actually it actually it actually took me away from the dialogue because I was like, is that a significant <laughs> person back there? Like, who's walking? Oh no, it's just a random student like sitting. In- what is going on? Wait, yeah, what did that- you just say? Because I was focused on the dude in the back. <laughs> I-, I will notice it every single time from now on. Well, hopefully, I hope it doesn't. Hopefully, that's something they can fix season two. You know, it, it's not entirely distracting. It doesn't necessarily look bad. It's just a different style. They're kind of like cell shaded, and they're not super detailed. So, <laughs> there's like, yeah. bare, like you might as well just put two dots and a little smiley face drawn <laughs> on there. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, the budget is going a lot of other places. We always get a lot of action. We've talked about the star-studded cast, and yeah, I mean. If that's if that's my biggest complaint, I'm I'm pretty satisfied. I forget about little things like that by the time we cast because there's just so much good that show does. But literally the second you said it, the exact scene just popped in my head and I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, that did happen. <laughs> I think we're both talking about the same one where uh, Amber and Mark are on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The dude just walks up in the back. I was like, who's that? <laughs> uh, well, uh, anyway, I... I think we might have talked about it a little bit at the front of the episode, especially when we were talking about Robot, but I I guess it's worth mentioning again. Um, We did get on our post-credit scene uh, the return of a kind of minor character, John Hamm's, his his security guard, Steve, his stepson, who I don't believe we've seen since episode two, I want to say. Yes. Uh, When the the body parts were kind of raining in, in Britain, if I'm not mistaken. Right, right. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, he and his buddy are, are digging up the Immortal, and then that's when we have the Mahler twins show up, and then that's when we get a little payoff for that assurance or that leverage they were referring to. And um, apparently if you drink out of the the skull of Immortal, you inherit his powers, or at least that's what this kid read on Reddit. And then we get the great Mahler twins PSA. Don't believe everything you read on the internet, kids. <laughs> Credits. So, do you think they're gonna revive or clone the uh, immortal? Ooh, cloning! Cloning seems like a strong possibility because, yeah, because you know, actually, out out of the original Guardians, Immortal was really the strongest. It, it's almost like both Omni Man and Immortal are super Superman. Like, just at different power levels. Right, right. And I guess uh, the vibe that I got from, or maybe I read it on the wiki, I I think I did. Uh, Immortal, they also classify as a Vandal Savage allegory, even though he's obviously a a good guy. It's just that that prolonged existence like that. Yeah, Yeah, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My theory is that, this is kind of far-fetched, is that Robot wants to make Immortal's body and transfer his consciousness over to it. But I don't think Robot's Robot in didn't on it. have his DNA. Yeah. He had Rex Blood's DNA. Right. And we and it's worth mentioning that we we saw that, that that body is progressing along at a Wait, so they're growing a Rex blood? That, yep. I believe so. That's that's yeah. the blood sample he provided to them. At least the only one we've seen him take. Right, right. So he doesn't know anything about the the immortal. That's the Mahler twins. They mentioned that they wanted assurance 
for their for their deal. Hmm. And then the next time we he and then one of them says grab a shovel, and then the next time we see him is at that uh, burial site. So, so the twins have the body of immortal, but they're growing another Rex in front of robot. Am I understanding that right? I believe yeah, so. Well, robot robot hires them to grow another Rex body, right? Presumably to transfer his conscious and consciousness right. into. Yep. And the Mahler twins are afraid of robot double crossing, correct? So yeah. they dig up Immortal, presumably to do something with that DNA. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I would I would think yeah, it'd be interesting if they revive him. Be- well, actually, I guess it wouldn't matter if they revive him or clone him because anytime they they transfer the consciousness, if his brain, if they're using that same brain, he would have the knowledge of what Omni Man did. So it wouldn't really matter if he's a clone or revived. He could be. He could testify directly against Omni Man if he can survive another bout with him. Yeah, that's that's the real question. Is like, you know, but like from what we saw with the original Guardians fight. If you took Mahler twins, Robot, and Immortal, yeah, they might be able to at least stop Omni Man. Yeah, yeah, I agree with I'm you. I'm probably way off on that. Like, no, but no, I, I think there's, I think there's sound evidence for that. Uh, he's, he's shown, and like, like Zuhair mentioned, he's, he's certainly not invincible. Neither one of them are, and maybe that's why we've we've seen Mark go through such a beatings so that we know um, Nolan can actually be defeated. And I, I think it is worth mentioning, um, just kind of talking about where the series is headed as a whole. I mean, I, I think it's fairly obvious that there's going to be a confrontation between Mark and Nolan by the end of the season. Yeah, I, I yeah. think it's going to come out... Um... I'm curious to see where that goes because Mark is not strong enough to beat his dad. Oh no! Which no. which Nolan com- continuously reminds him of. Uh, you guys saying that just has me really worried for Debbie. Mm. Whether it be physically or emotionally, like it's like, ugh. Yeah, I I think we've seen Nolan be emotionally abusive. Um. I, he he doesn't seem willing to hurt her physically, at least not yet. Yeah. But he killed the Guardians of the Globe, so who mm. knows? Yeah. Yeah, I, it'll... It's the big mystery of the season, so... But uh, hopefully we will get more answers uh, very soon. As uh, yeah, we've only got a couple episodes left. We'll uh, we'll look forward to covering episode seven sooner rather than later. Um, did you guys have any other thoughts or things you had to get off your chest uh, relating to episode six? You look kind of dead. Uh, I'm just sad. Uh, there's only two more. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm gonna be super bummed because Falcon and Winter Soldier ends this week, yep. and then the next week it. Uh, in, Invincible ends. Yeah. And then yeah. it's like, I think Bad Batch might be starting up. So maybe, maybe I won't have a May Fourth Bad Batch start. So maybe yep. I don't have a break. So uh, there is there is no end in sight, my friends. We've got no rest for the wicked. The, that's right. That's right. 
We got all the content for days and weeks um, and months. But uh, I, I wanted to hit uh, some feedback that was submitted to our uh, Gmail account. Let's hear it. This is from our listener, Aaron Dimming, a.k.a. Sonny Tetris. And uh, he hits us with this. Hey, Jay, Scotty, Zuhair, and guest host Muzzy. Since you mentioned me in your first Invincible episode, thanks for doing that, by the way. So cool. I figured I would write in to say that you guys are awesome and I love your podcast. I have to rewatch the Young Justice episodes again, so I've only listened to your first episode of that. The context of the comment, comment was that people like me, who have a pretty deepish knowledge of the source material, would have been frustrated by the speculation. Trust me, I love that you guys have little to no background knowledge. <laughs> shows that, Thanks. Shows, <laughs> right? <laughs> shows that are super faithful adaptations of the comics like Invincible and The Walking Dead tend to bore me after a while. I can usually pick up on clues for what's going to happen and then lose the total lack of surprise that the show is expecting. So far, Invisible hasn't been that bad, thankfully. (laughs) While I have read most of the comics, I think I'm only like four volumes away from the end. It has been a few years. I intentionally didn't reread them before the show because I wanted my memory not to be recent. That being said, I do remember the major story elements and that, that have appeared in the show so far. Listening to your discussions and speculations is so rewarding to me. I get to hear what you think might happen and dig in on the parts that that my mind might have glossed over because it was too familiar. The same thing happens when I discuss with my best friend Jesse, who recently joined the Stranded Panda Trivia under the name Citizen D-Bag. Nice. Yeah, right? (laughs) I recognize that name. I have to work so hard not to shout out spoilers when he speculates or ask him in advance when he's okay with a spoiler. Listening to you guys is so much fun. Oh, excuse, excuse me. Listening to you guys is so much safer... Although, if you do ever want my input on things, you know where to find me. Thank you, Aaron Deming, a.k.a. Sunny Touches. So, thank you, Aaron. We appreciate that. I, I will say uh, my limited understanding of the comics and full transparency, I, I've been enjoying this show so much that I, I couldn't help, but uh, I have uh, listened to like some YouTube videos and stuff like that that kind of talk about um the show and its relationship to the comics and stuff like that so i obviously don't have a full knowledge or anything like that but i have been able to get a little bit more context and it it seems like the show really is doing its own thing in a lot of ways so hopefully it's really rewarding for everybody no matter how recently they've read the comic and i have no friends in the area who have ever read the comics i don't have too many friends in the area who are actually watching the show so i just watch an episode and look forward to the next one and even while i'm recording i'm like giving all these names a a quick look up because i can't remember them for the life of me and (laughs) just just to show how genuine it is because there are a lot of people out there who don't care about the source material because they just enjoy watching tv they're not comic people they're not readers um and yeah this show is for everybody who fits any of those categories because we just want you to be able to enjoy good entertainment i was just gonna say uh I've heard Robert Robert Kirkman say that the you know the show's going to be its own thing and it's not mm-hmm. going to be one hundred percent faithful to the comics and I, I I really like that approach. It's kind of the Douglas Adams hitchhiker approach. Oh sure. Where the radio play wasn't meant to be the same as the book, mm-hmm. and you know the movies later weren't meant to be the same as the radio play. Each was its own thing, and if you enjoyed one, you'd probably enjoy the other, but there's going to be different twists and turns. Mm-hmm. Certainly. And, and like, I, I think that is a great way to adapt. In a way, that's the way, the way the MCU is adapting. Mm-hmm. Oh, certainly. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a great a, a c- Civil War was one of the big examples for that because in the comics it was like 50, 60 people all fighting each other where in the movie there was like hardly 10. And there was a lot of diehard fans who were like, it's not the same, we didn't hit the source material. And I'm like, but it was good. Can you not acknowledge that it was yeah. a good <laughs> movie with a good scene and a great I, I, story that people who don't read comics enjoy? Like, enjoy it for what it is and what the creators made out of it, not what it's based off of. If it pays homage to certain scenes from the comics, give it a clap. Enjoy the entertainment that you have at your hands and don't give people shit for not knowing what you know. Yeah, the, the only one I maybe ever had a minor gripe about was Age of Ultron. Not okay. because Age Age of Ultron was not the greatest comic series, uh, and it wasn't the greatest Marvel movie either um, in retrospect, although I liked it a lot when it first came out. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's aged as well as other movies, uh, you know, like Winter Soldier. But uh, the the main thing is... The title just didn't fit what happened in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, the MCU cast guys joke about Weekend at Ultron's. Right. (laughs) Yep. I do love that joke. And I was actually just going to, I was getting ready to say, until next time, True Believers. Wait, wrong podcast. uh. (laughs) Well, with that in mind, uh, we are a part of the Stranded Panda Network, of which the MCU podcast, led by... The great Matt Carroll and the talented Jeff Randall. Uh, That is the flagship show for this network. Uh, And we are a part of that. So please check out all the great things that are going on at strandedpanda.com. There are several uh, geeky fandom-related podcasts there. And then we've also got the YouTube channel. Uh, I believe that's just youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And then we've also got a Twitch channel where a lot of fun things happen, like the live MCU podcast and then the trivia that we do on Wednesday nights, and that is Stranded Panda, uh, twitch.tv slash Stranded Panda TV, excuse me. And uh, I think that's going to do it for me. If you guys would like to uh, follow me on Twitter or check out any of the artwork, artwork that I do on Instagram, you can follow me at jscottyforreal. And uh, that's it for me. You guys have anything you'd like to say? No, just looking forward to the next two episodes. Right on. Stay whelmed. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. plastics can be so much more. Give the trash a second chance it was hoping hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag Program, happening in your neighborhood today.